This is the Your Church Friends Podcast, and we are back with Season 2. Join us as we sit down with some of our church friends to discuss these topics and more. What is worship? Can I trust God? How should I study my Bible? And popular Christian catchphrases. It's Season 2 of the Your Church Friends Podcast. Our church friends. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right, welcome to your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. I'm Jurlich. And I'm Jordan. And we are here discussing how should you study the Bible. So here we go. Jordan, what's your favorite book to read in the Bible? My favorite book right now is Proverbs. It's got a lot of wisdom, obviously, and a lot of instructions in there that I didn't know were there before. So (laughs) Proverbs is kind of my favorite right now. Yeah, I can see why. That's definitely one of those lasting books that is just like self-contained. You can get right into it and just start reading it. It's like, wait, who are these people? Why is there a list of genealogy? It's just like, no, Proverbs, wisdom, go. Proverbs is good. Murdoch. For me, I've really been enjoying Mark right now. And uh, I just keep putting it on the audio Bible and just like listening to it. And I've listened to it so many times recently. And just each time it just keeps giving me more and different and better. So yeah, that's been... I've been enjoying that. For myself, I would say Psalms. And that was just a good read. I don't think there's one Psalm that didn't get all marked up in my Bible, little notes written next to it. And it was just so good to go through it. And even when I when I spoke on Psalms 23, like that was just such an in-depth study on that chapter that, man, I learned so many different things that I didn't even know. I I, I guess it why we're having this conversation, like studying your Bible and and what we do and how should we do it. And so I'll, I'll get to you, Jordan, and you could answer that one. But first, before you do that, let us know a little bit about you. A little bit about me. Um, I'm 21 years old. been coming to the church for three years now. I'm pretty active in our Belong Young Adult Ministry. Woohoo, Belong, go cacti. Um, what else? I'm a college student. I'm studying mathematics right now. I'm planning to be a teacher. I'm... One of five sisters in my house, my, my parents, my whole family comes to Calvary. So yeah, that's about me. And a little background information. We actually had your dad on the show, Atlas, talking yeah, about marriage. Yeah, that was really good. So that, that was actually one of, my, one of my favorite conversations. Don't tell Murdoch, but it was one of my favorite conversations <laughs> from last season. I don't assume that your conversations <laughs> with me are your favorite conversations. <laughs> All right, Jordan, how, uh, how do you study your Bible? How do I study my Bible? That's a good question. Um, I love studying my Bible a lot more now that I'm older than I did when I was a kid. Of how I've been studying my Bible, as a kid, you grow up hearing all these stories. It's really, the Bible is really explained to you storytelling wise. And then when I got into middle and high school, that's when I learned the SOAP method. It stands for scripture, observation, application, prayer. So I really dug into that a lot. And then now I kind of do more of like a mental SOAP. I'll get into my Bible wherever I feel it's necessary or wherever my interests are leading me. Or maybe I feel like just Holy Spirit has like really laid something on my heart. I'll just dig into it. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll use commentaries or lexicons on the side so I can get better understanding. I'll listen to other interpretations of it. I'll ask questions. I kind of attack my Bible like I would a a textbook at school, essentially, um, because there's just so much. There's so many layers, I feel like, to one scripture and the way that things are worded. You really have to pay attention to that in order to get meaning. So, yeah, there's I do a lot when I study my Bible. It's kind of like I'm doing 50 things at once just to get all the meaning out of whatever it is I'm studying. I'm just sitting here like all proud because you're one of the students in Belong. I'm like, wow, how cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's another little tidbit is that you're in the Young Adults Ministry, of which I'm a pastor. So. That wasn't just your, oh, no, my pastor's here. I better give a really good answer because you can't just make all of that stuff up. You're bringing lexicons and stuff into it. Like, that's for real. <laughs> that's good. It's fun. It's fun stuff. Murdoch. How do I do it? All kinds of different ways because for me, it's like wherever I'm at in life and I'm more analytical and just like to nerd out and get into stuff. So when you're getting into the words and getting into the history and the surrounding stuff that was happening with other cultures, they give it context and all of that to just really dig in and get like, what did this mean to the people who it was written to? And really starting from that point and then, you know, extrapolating out from there. All of that's good. But so that's like on the study side. But what going through Bible college seminary classes is that all of that 
leads to a very dead spiritual life sometimes. They're just like, wow, this just became a textbook that isn't life-giving. I understand a lot about it, but like, so what almost? So prayerfully, just really having good prayer time, speaking to God and then going into the Bible to just hear from him, which is just another thing. Like if we're just looking at, oh, I need to study my Bible. It's like definitely need to study. But then it's also like, we also just need to get into it to commune with God, to look at it as the living word and to have that back and forth. Because man, if you can name all of the genealogies, if you can tell me about all the other surrounding cultures and everything, but there's just no joy and fulfillment and everything reading the word to where like you're just getting lit up by it and great on fire. It's just maybe switch things up. So, and I say that through experience where I've had to switch things up and do definitely more spirit filled reading of the word. I'll get into my answer after this, but I, I want to throw this out to either of you guys. So is, do you, would you consider studying different than reading like your daily reading and studying different or is it the same? Studying versus reading, I guess they can be different. The two words I would like to say is studying and meditating. I think you just used that word. And that's kind of the transition I find myself into is studying not for the pure pleasure of it, because I love my Bible. It's poetic. It's you have great story. You have like great historical stories and stuff in there. And that's what I'm looking at all of that when I'm studying. But when I'm really meditating on the word, I'm really I'm really trying to understand like, okay, what does this mean for me right now? What is God trying to say to me? What, what can I do with this? How can I, how can I live by this? How do I know God more through this? Meditating is really like, like simmering on it, really thinking about it during the day. And those are the two, those are the two differences I feel like to me. So I guess I can be like studying and reading for me. It's like studying, meditating. Yeah, I like how you put that about between reading and then meditating, because that is more of that, because it's not like, oh, let me bust open all the commentaries and all of the in-depth stuff, and it is just more able to relax and just go over just what the word itself is saying. So yeah, I like that as far as meditation goes. But bringing those two together, I think that it's important to have both of them, but then to bring them together towards they should be accomplishing the same end, right? So the scriptures say that like study to show yourself approved and that we can get into the word to know the will of God, to know what's good and, and what's not, and to just get to know God, to get to know ourselves, all of the promises, all the everything. So it's just the end result of both of those things coming together should be a more spirit-filled, holy life that's becoming more and more Christ-like, that's full of the fruit of the spirit and that's encouraging those things. It says that the word is like a, two-edged sword that can come in and just cut between spirit and soul and just really get in there and to allow it to do that again it's just like I think that the study is extremely important because if we're not studying the word and we have just so many great resources to study that really we can understand Christianity like almost better than the past thousand years or more, you know, to where just like they were dealing with medieval concepts and all kinds of stuff. There's like we are at a point to where like we can really get back into the mind of the ancient Christian way better than they could. So it's like we're at a good vantage point. We should do that because there's a lot of bad teaching that comes out that for us to study so that we can discern between like, you know, what? I actually know what that says. I respect this person, whoever's teaching it or whatever's whatever. But like we need to grow into something better, a better understanding. Because that's a huge thing against the church right now is just all of these things that kind of shouldn't be being taught in the way that they're being taught. So I think that the study is super important. But yeah, without that meditation to like we're supposed to meditate on the word of God day and night and to hide it away in our hearts that we wouldn't sin against him. Both of those things coming together that we would accurately live out this thing. I like that too, because there is this part of like, I guess for us, we are at a point where, yeah, we can understand the Bible better than, I mean, any generation other than the people who like got the letters themselves and read those firsthand because we have internet, we have any commentary out there that we could go find. We have resources that we can look at context, historical facts, and then all apply it. And, and yeah, as the church today, we're, we're in a better spot to kind of remove some of those misunderstandings that came from lack of knowledge of people in past generations who just had the Bible and 
also just had someone tell them what something meant and then took it like they just like, okay, it's my pastor said this is what it is. So I'm going to believe that. And where you look at even in the Bible and Acts, like the Bereans, when they heard what Paul was saying, they're like, well, hold on, we're going to check this first before we move anywhere with that. So I, I believe like getting in deep studying is it's something that we can do. So for myself, because it seemed like I wasn't going to answer the question <laughs> for myself, there, I, there's a few ways that I do study. So I like having other translations open. I primarily read the NIV. I'm not knocking any of the other ones, but NIV seems to be up my alley in intelligence. But then I'll go down to the NLT if something just, I just can't get it. And, and I'll read that. I have commentaries open when I read, when I'm doing like studying. Another thing that I've actually done for studying is listening to someone preach a sermon on a passage. Because there's sometimes, it's, for me, it's just, it's that easier, quick, kind of get the information of someone who's already done all the studying, looked through all the commentaries, done all that work. And then he's like, here's free information. So uh, that's one thing that I do a lot is I'll listen to several pastors preach on something. I also like, uh, what are they? Uh, the Bible Project. Oh, yeah. They're yeah, great. They're, they're awesome. really good. If, like when I was reading. So as I'm reading books of the Bible, then I'll listen to their or I'll watch their videos of like, here's what happened or here's the stuff in this book that you should really pay attention to. And it's great because they do give historical context to things. But I do like what both of you guys are saying. And one thing that I've added more into the last few years of my study is prayer and silence. And not trying to conquer a mountain of study, right? Like the Bible's huge. We're going to, I have my whole life to read it a bunch of times. Why run through it so quickly? Like a movie, just wanting to get it done. Or like I'm trying to binge watch something on Netflix. Like just take your time and pace yourself. So when I do deep study right now, I'm doing revelation and I'm only going from those little italic top things in the top of the scripture to the next one. And with that, with commentary going back and forth and, but just doing it slow and it's not every day. It's a once a week study in that book. So I could get the depth of it. Yeah. I like how you mentioned binge watching cause you can almost do the same thing with your Bible. Or at least I don't know about you guys, but I have like, you know, John 15 says remain in me. So I'm like, okay, I'm remaining, you know, like I'm reading 50 scriptures a day trying to like get this in my system. But too much of a good thing can be a bad thing too. And I remember having a conversation with my dad actually. And he was like, like, you got to like slow down a little bit. You got to pace yourself. You're not going to understand 50 scriptures in one day. You can't, you can't even digest 50 scriptures in a day. You have to really take it low and slow, like you said. And honestly, there's more understanding and yeah, there's just more understanding that comes from it. When you do that, I think of myself as a student when I'm going to the Bible, like, okay, Jesus, you're the word, you're my teacher. I might not get this the very first time. I might get this the 50th time. Maybe it's the hundredth and one time. I don't know. But really taking things low and slow is super, super duper helpful. We have to understand that like our minds are still at a very limited capacity. So yeah, when I was younger, my dad, he would always make us read the Bible in a year. So we did that whole reading plan. Yeah, there'd be days where I didn't read, so you fell behind. And it was usually like two to three chapters of reading a day. But if you missed four days, you're now looking at 15 to 20 chapters to catch up. And that's where people who get on those plans just stop reading. Because exactly. then they go, that's insurmountable. Rather <laughs> yeah. than just go, cool, why don't I just make this the next day and continue from there? It's like, no, I need to get on track with this thing. It's like, no, you just need to read your Bible. Like, it's, right. like we're failing to read because of these weird pressures. And it's like, that's not, that's not it. Yeah, so we did that, and then one day my dad, or one year my dad did it in six months. So I was like, I could do six months. And then he did it like four months, and then in order to like just beat him because of my weird competition ego, I, I was like, I could do it in three months. And that oh, was, yeah, the 90-day plan. Yeah, that was yeah. so much reading. <laughs> but now uh, the last few years where I think I've had probably the best time in my Bible has been maybe a, a chapter a day in the Old Testament, chapter a day in the New Testament, but this slow marinating of the scripture where it's just kind of seen there. And I'm looking at it going like, I didn't even know this was in the Bible before. And I've had to have read this thing like 20 plus times at this point in my life. Yeah. When it comes to reading, it's for me kind of both of those things. Because as you're saying, low and slow. And my old pastor, um, 
told me it's not all of the scripture that you don't know that's the problem. It's the ones that you do and you're not doing anything with. Oof. Right? Because it's like, no, I need to read more. And just like, well, hold up, those 50 that you just read, what's going on there? Like, what are you doing? Um, so I get that. But then I also get that, I mean, you're just talking about you were raised reading the Bible. Jordan, I think that, you know, being a Christian household, you're also raised around it. And the benefit that comes from just having that constantly coming in over a period of time, whether you're binging into it, like the binging, you might look at it like, well, that's not really useful because what can I do with it? It's getting in there. And the repetition of it getting in there on that kind of a scale is really useful. And I think that that's part of discipleship that what we need to understand when somebody's first coming to Christ without any real good knowledge of the Bible is like, you kind of need to get a lot of it in there to build a framework because otherwise you're reading, you're like, what is this talking about? Who are these people? Like, how, like, how does this actually connect to stuff? So yeah, it's finding the right rhythm for, like you're saying, to be able to do something with it. And my side note, coming back to binge watching, and I just need to put that, put this out here as a rebuke to myself, maybe you guys in the room and everybody else, think of the shows that you like watching. Think of all the characters' names. Now name the 12 disciples. What were the 10 commandments? What were the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave? Like, right? It's just like, oh man, like, have you seen the show? I've watched all 15 seasons at 20 some odd episodes each season and like all these amazing things. You've got to watch it with me. And just like, we obviously have time to read the Bible. So I think that it comes down to that too, just like, yeah, maybe we can put more towards it. But I know that wasn't quite the question. But when you brought up binge watching, I just know that like, man, how many shows have I seen? And why does that matter? It's not amounted to anything. Even if I took a fraction of that, like, whew, I could be the best preacher ever. But thanks, Netflix. I'm just me now. (laughs) No, it brings up a good point of priorities. And just kind of going back to what you said before, about really getting scripture in there. I think another important piece to studying your Bible as well is um, like, what kind of soil are you working with? Like what, and when I say soil, I mean like, what's your heart condition? And uh, you both brought up reading our Bibles prayerfully. There's the parable of, what is it? The seed and the sower. Oh, am I saying this wrong? And there's like three, four different kinds of soil. Um, we have to, I know in, in like with personal experience, usually when I felt like my Bible wasn't getting to me or I wasn't feeling anything or anything like that, usually I'm, I was just too filled up with myself or I had like unconfessed sin that I was just like not even paying attention to, not even considering how it was like hindering my Bible reading. So you can still connect this to the binge watching. Um, I've noticed at times when I'm being very careless about what I'm listening to, very careless about what I'm watching. Not that I'm talking about getting into like horrible stuff, but even just like not prioritizing, really clearing out the distractions and just not being so full of my own schedule, my own stuff. Usually when there's a lot of that, it's like really hard for me to read my Bible and really hard for me to feel convicted almost. We say that the Bible, you know, it it splits between soul and spirit. It splits splits between bone and marrow. Like when you're reading your Bible, I I strongly believe that if you're not feeling convicted once in a while, then you you just might be, there might be something getting in the way of you really like receiving what the word has to say. So we really have to consider what soil are we working with? What's your heart condition? Are you even in the mind space of like, I'm coming to commune with God, like you were saying before, Murdoch, or am I just here to check off a box during the day? So it's like if, you're, if your heart and your mind ain't right, <laughs> you know, don't even, I don't want to say don't try, but you'll have a very difficult time really like receiving what the word has to give you. Yeah, that brings up some good stuff that I actually, I have in my head that I'm going to get to, but we're going to take that break and then I'll jump into it when we come back. So break time. This episode of Your Church Friends is brought to you by The Bible Active Living God's Word A lamp to my feet and sharper than a two-edged sword The Bible Your basic instructions before leaving earth Hello, church friends. It's Chris here to tell you about another wonderful podcast to go and check out. It's Thinking Out Loud with hosts Kevin and Kyle. 
Kevin and Kyle cover a variety of current cultural topics like woke culture, gun control, death penalty, and prophesying the presidency, all to help you navigate them from a biblical perspective. You can visit their website www.thinkingoutloudmedia.com or follow them on all their social media at Thinking Out Loud Podcast. The Thinking Out Loud Podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms. So go check out Thinking Out Loud with Kevin and Kyle and connect with them on their social media. I recently listened to their episode, A Life Transformed, with Jeffrey McCall, and it was insightful, moving, and exactly what Kevin and Kyle are. Biblical. What are you waiting for? Go and listen today. All right, we're back from the break, and there was two things that both of you guys touched on when we were talking about studying the Bible, and it, it kind of hit me the idea of like, so when you're a first Christian, you kind of really don't know what you're doing. You're just kind of reading to get in the Bible. But then as time goes on, like it does seem like you start getting into it more. But what really hit me was the when we were talking about like shows and other things, like what we're passionate about, it seems like we put in time to know more of. We like dig deep into things. So when when I stopped pastoring and, and stopped doing that and was just going to church and working, one thing that I jumped into was conspiracy theories because you could jump into a rabbit hole of things and they just lead. But not that I subscribe to any of them, but they're just fascinating. And it all starts for like Bigfoot, stuff like that is really what I like. And then it leads into all the, it is true. You get into that rabbit hole and it just, it goes. But the more I, I looked into one, the more I want to know. So I'd watch videos, I'd read, and you just wanted to hear what people were saying about it. So I'd listen to podcasts about it. But I went in into it but it was really replacing because that time in my life where I wasn't really reading my bible I wasn't really studying it was a supplement to that and I've done the same thing with like comic books comic book movies like I'll really get into it and you want to know the history you want to know the background you want to know how it started and for me if I feel like now that I flipped that and I put it into my relationship with God and studying the bible that it is about the passion. Like you're not going to get into something if there's no passion behind it. You're just going to kind of read it for face value and then move on. I would like to argue a little bit on the other side or add a little bit of a different dimension to it. I think passion can also be developed too. I have gotten into things where I, I was just like, I'm, I'm not interested in this Proverbs. <laughs> I, I was just kind of like, this is a little... You know, this is a little dry compared to like Psalms or something like that. Like, okay, King Solomon's trying to teach his kids some stuff. Yeah. I heard a lot of scripture from Proverbs growing up, like when my parents were trying to discipline me. So there was no passion there at all. But the more I got into it, the passion kind of developed. So I don't think having, not having that passion yet can can or should bar you from getting into the word. I'm just saying that passion can be like, it can be developed. It can be that soil can be tilled over time. Yeah. That, that's the point where I was headed at was in the, maybe I didn't get that out clear enough. So thank you. Or for maybe I cut it. you off. Cause I have, happened no, no, I'm pretty that. sure I did clarify it enough. And Murdoch's going to cut both of us off. Okay. Well, I'm raising my hand cause I'm polite. No, um, looking at both of those things is that, what it comes through is consistency and when you're passionate about something it, you don't think about having that consistency you just you go for it right and you can just do it and do it and do it and you're not holding yourself to it but if you don't have that passion then you like you just need to be consistent and stick to it and in the word of god like like you're saying it will develop that passion like it'll start speaking to you so I think that kind of that's underlying it to where the consistency in staying reading your Bible. If you have the passion, it's like, cool, you don't need anyone to convince you, but you do need a little bit of like willpower, like self-determination, self-control to just say, no, I'm going to do this on whatever kind of a basis. Not to, you know, go against either of you guys, but that's what I'm pulling no, from both I think of those it things. It I think it ties it. Yeah. yeah, I think it brings it together very well. Yeah, that, that was like where I was headed with it was the idea of that. And and maybe I like I, I know I horrible communicator that's why i host a podcast but it's uh it, it was that that like over time we'd start getting that passion for something and we can develop a real passion for something and then 
passion is what leads us to want more and dig in deeper. And, and I think even for us in kind of going into the next question of it all is like, why should we study the Bible? And Sorry, before you get to the next question, I just have to throw it in there because then I already have something from the first half that I never got to. Like, I want to throw that in there too. So maybe that'll find its way. But to acknowledge, like, why would you be consistent? To know that I want to be passionate in this, right? So if you're looking at, I don't have passion, but I would want that to be there. So it's like, cool, let me start doing it anyways. Like, I want to know about the Proverbs. I should get into this. It's a book. So it's just like, I would want to be passionate. So like, cool, maybe you just start with the acknowledgement that I'm not passionate, but you get into it. So even just the desire to be passionate about the word of God or the things of God. And yeah, and I liked what you brought up, Jordan, that kind of touches in that, is that the soil, right? What is your soil? And and if it's not right, like start working on it, start getting it there. And, and but kind of tying into this, what you were saying is like, yeah, start getting yourself to the spot where your soil is receptive to plant, to grow, to then produce fruit because we garden all the time. So if the soil isn't working, like your plants aren't working, you could get, for us, we were doing tomatoes and we started getting end rot. So the bottom of them would just start rotting. But that was because our soil had a calcium deficiency. So we had to put some stuff in there to work it, to get it better. And all that stuff, like you, you just don't know about, but the Bible's so cool. Once you start gardening and reading the Bible, it ties it all together. So I think both of those are, are really on point to where where people should head with studying their Bible. Okay, so back to why are we studying the Bible? Is that where we were going? I think so. Yeah. So Jordan, why do we? Why is it? Why should we study our Bible? The first thing that comes to mind for me is because your Bible says to, um, <laughs> and I think we should take that seriously. Uh, what comes to mind is I think it's Psalm one. And it talks about the righteous man, how he meditates on the law day and night. I think that we should share in God's desire for us to be righteous, for us to be holy, for us to be more like Christ. So there's that. John 15 always comes to mind for me, too. It says, remain in me. And then John 1 says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So if God is telling me to remain in him and he's the word, then I got to remain in my word. So First thing that comes to mind is because the Bible instructs us to in many different ways, and we should take that seriously. Number two, I think it's because, and I don't want to simplify the Bible down to just, it's a book of instructions, commands. I don't want to simplify it to that, but it is in in one, in one way or another. I, I was raised being told that the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. There's really some practical stuff in there there's also some other things that we need to really get a hold of on this side of heaven so and there have been so many times oh my goodness so many countless times where I was really wrestling with the decision wrestling with a situation and in my own interest or in my own wisdom I tried to figure it out my way and never really thought okay let me go to my bible and see what my bible has to say and i can't go into my bible and you know look up the section on on marijuana or i can't look up the section on going to school but um when we take a look at culture and when we take a look at context and when we really break stuff down there's still there's still things that jesus wants us to do today that that hasn't been erased and then breaking that down to the third reason for me it's it's so that i can I need to know God more. Like it's God's desire that we grow in relationship with him. The most important commandment was to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, your strength. How can you love somebody if you don't know them? So spending time in your Bible, really marinating in that, meditating on that. That's me. Like you said before, it's communing with God. That's me really working on my relationship with God, getting to know him more, getting to know my position and his position and what that means for our relationship. So why should we study? Jesus says that man shall not live by bread alone. Yeah, you like that one, Jordan? Yeah, but by every (laughs) word that comes out of the mouth of God. Yep, Mm -hmm. on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And I don't know where else to get the word of God other than the Bible. You know, Old Testament, New Testament, That's the word of God. And I've studied different scriptures from different religions. I've read all of the top whatever self-help books and get yourself out there and do this stuff. And I honestly feel like God has a monopoly on truth. So you can find a lot of good things places. And if it's true, it's true. And just like, I don't need to be like, well, that's not true because you're 
you're not a Christian. So when you say it, like, that's not real. It's just like, no, cool. So you found a truth about God. Let me tell you more about him. So looking at it from that way, but really just looking at throughout reading all of those different things, coming back to the word of God and that there is nothing else like it. It's the living word of God that gives nourishment to my soul, that gives the wisdom of God that, again, how would I know about Jesus if it weren't for the Bible? Now, I think that we also have a living spirit who comes and resides within us, that there's a connection with God there. But why would I not want to know the most that I possibly could about God? Like you were saying, to get to know him, that God is seeking a relationship. And you're like, wow, I can get into this and get to know who you are. And again, just really studying and paying attention to a huge thing that comes out when you study is like, go study the promises of God. He's like, wow, God made promises and he will keep them. He's like, why would I study? Because like, there is just a huge foundation and blessing and reward and just like treasure there. And when we're looking at going back to study versus reading is like, nobody leaves treasure just out in the open. You bury treasure, right? You, people have to dig to get to that. And I think that there's, God reveals himself openly to mankind but that there's definitely a digging into the relationship that just there's treasure in there for us. There's so much in there that Jesus, when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, is like there's a man and there's a field and then he goes and he's digging and he finds treasure in the field and he goes and sells everything that he owns so that he can buy this field, right? So when we get into the Bible and we go, whoa, this is talking about the Messiah in here? Whoa, this is salvation? Yeah, I'm fully following this Jesus. It's like, what else is in this book, you know? So to really study and to get into that, like, why would you, why would you not? <laughs> I guess it's just, like, once you actually do it and you get what's there, it's just like, why wouldn't you be doing this? It just doesn't, you know, something's off at that point. Both of your answers really kind of chimed into, for me, like Jordan's first answer was because we're told to. And I know that you agree with that. That's yeah. how you are. You're just like, the Bible says it. Yes, The Bible go. says it. So we have to. And then even when you answered, like, it was, well, the Bible says it. Like, here's a Bible reference where Jesus is telling us, like, we don't live off of bread alone. We live off of the word. And great. I, I liked your John 15 tie into John chapter 1. That was really cool. I've never actually put those two together where in the beginning was the word. And he's saying the only way you can abide in me is by being in the word. So there it is. And, and for me, putting that where... Uh, why do why do I think it's important? It, it's he commands us to do it, and my obedience is not because I have to. My obedience is because I love him. Bingo. Mm-hmm. And so, every aspect of study to know God or our Bible is to know God. And yes, there are wonderful wisdoms in there that are going to help us through life. But it is through knowing God that we know life. Like I don't know life in general without knowing God. I don't know myself if I don't know God first. And in there, we get to find out who God is. And because then I love him, I just want to know more about him. And I want to know everything about what's going on in the context. And that's why I, I see it as like it's important to do it because it, it allows me to see God. So then, you know, when, when calamity happens in my life and I could sit there and be like, God, why did this happen? You know, at least I know he's still good. And I could lean on that goodness that he's still good. And he, no matter what's happened to me, I have a good father who's going to take care of me. And, and like you were talking about, the promises, studying to know those promises, because all of them will come true. All of them ha- that have come true have come true. So it's not like he ever breaks his promises. And knowing those also sustain me through whatever I'm journeying through. And, and yeah, I grew up with the same thing. Bible, the basic instructions before leaving earth. And, mm-hmm. and as practical as that sounds, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, we could like, nah, that's just way too simple. But I think we could overcomplicate it. And it's like, here it is. Here's some instructions for us on how to not be a good person. And we need to like, I, I'm really like good person or the word good. Like I'm really trying to eliminate that from my vocabulary. Even when mm-hmm. I talk to my kids and I'm like, they did something good. I'm like, Good, great job, because uh, I don't want them to get caught up in the concept that we're good or that we, we're aiming to be a good person. I'm aiming to be a Christ person. I'm aiming to be a kingdom person and being a kingdom citizen. 
and the Bible's clear, like, yeah, none of us are good. So why, why do we put that pressure of good on ourselves? So th- that, that's kind of why I do it is I want to be more like Christ in the order for me to do it. I've got to be in the word that is all about Christ. Yeah. Try becoming Christ-like without knowing <laughs> about him. It just doesn't, that's like, real difficult. It doesn't compute, you know? Yeah, I love how I just love the idea of getting to know God, because growing up, God was just a concept to me. Like, okay, there's some guy with a white beard up in the heavens looking down on me, judging my every move. And as I've gotten older, I haven't lived much life. I'm still young, but as I've I don't know, like just done things, experienced certain things. What, what is that face? Oh, I shouldn't doubt myself because I'm young. Hold up. Let me back up. Um, so as I've just like gone through certain things, made certain mistakes, where was I going with this? Oh, just more and more. I realized like the, like the Bible is like, God just wants to know you. He just wants to know you. He just wants to be in relationship with you. I think I'm pretty sure it's when he parted the Red Sea and he said that like, I'm doing this in this way so that you guys will know who I am so that you guys, I'm paraphrasing this, I'm paraphrasing this probably horribly, but he says, I'm doing this so that you will know that I'm God. What does God say the first time he sees Moses with the burning bush? He says, I am God just wants to be known. And you said that, how can we know ourselves apart from God? We're made in God's image. And if and I think that that really explains why people are constantly seeking truth, why people are constantly seeking to be known and to be loved. If that's a desire that we have in our heart, then that's a desire that God must have in his too, if we're made in his image. So I wanted to piggyback off of what you said too, with like self-help books and all that stuff. There's lots of sources of truth, but as Christians, like it, we we need to believe that the Bible is the absolute source of truth. I need to really be in my Bible so that when those other sources of truth come, I can weigh it against the word of God. The Bible says that we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to the, to the word of God. Like it's, that's absolute truth. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, then you should be kind of questioning that source or questioning what it, what it's saying. Cause there's a lot of things that will come and try to proclaim themselves as, yeah, this is the way you should go, but it really, it leads to death, like spiritual death, physical death mental death i think of just the american doctrine of like we have all the answers we're the greatest we're the best i was talking about it with a professor today we have this really jacked up mentality and if you're not in your word constantly you you could get really lost in that i i did like that when murdoch brought that up too Uh, i actually wrote it down it was one thing but what he was making a face about was i was making tons of noise with whatever that's I'm why I leave my b- water bottle <laughs> uncapped because it's just like why you're she's saying something amazing like, <laughs> like, like no i'm glad no no no. it's okay it made me think anyway yeah it was, it was yeah. a great reaction uh-huh. i was like cool let's go with yeah. that god one. used yeah, it i'm a god professional here <laughs> but when you said god has a monopoly on the truth the importance of studying the bible and why we need it is to know the truth and god is the truth so just the way you've said that was just really good. And I really like that. So I wrote it down because I'm probably going to make a little thing for to promote this show. But that idea that that's where the truth is. And I need to know the truth because both of you self help books, there's tons of things out there that want to say they're the truth. And in our society, there's a bunch of people who say this is my truth. This is the truth. But none of it's the truth. And the Bible's filled with things saying watch out for that. Watch out for false teachers. False teachers don't have to be people who are in the church in the church preaching false teachers can be anywhere who are trying to teach you something contrary to christ and just because and this is what something's been in for me is just because it's the truth and i don't like the truth doesn't make it less of the truth Ooh, say that louder for the people in the back because that's a hard one so i'm gonna tie that in because i'm glad that you got there um but just looking at jordan how you're saying like the preparation of the soil of our heart, a really easy question to ask is, do you get to read the Bible or do you got to read the Bible? You know, do you get to or do you got to? Because like, if you have to, it's just like, no, you get to. And then when it comes to, okay, we're talking about reading and studying and like, we're looking at the end result of becoming more Christ-like, but the process to that is through obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. 
And when we're looking at reading, yes, to learn promises, but also commands, how am I supposed to live? You're talking about instructions. Like, yeah, that's talking about the commands from Jesus, from God on how we're supposed to live. And Chris, when you're saying like, even if you don't like that truth, like, man, that's a big thing that I would see in the church today is that just completely cherry picking and coming up with our own opinions because there's other teachers, right? Like, no, we shouldn't interpret it that way because there's this or because there's that. And if, if we're doing that to really get to a better biblical understanding, then yeah. But there's just a lot today that we just justify being disobedient. And that doesn't result in Christ-likeness. Like, it just doesn't. For everywhere that we tell God no, like, it's just a detriment to ourselves and to people around us. And really, to get just the sim simplest picture of it is we're going, Jesus, you are the king above all kings. You are sitting in your throne in heaven. You have all authority. I will ultimately come before you in judgment that everything, every idle word, every everything, everything that was done in secret will be made known before you and I'll be judged for all of that. And you hold the power of life and death, of judgment. Like this is, and I'm just not going to trust you that this is what I should do here in this life. You're saying like, hey, don't do that. I'm going, no, but I want to. It's just like, what? Or hey, you need to do this because this is a righteous way of life. And just like, no, I don't want to. And it's just like, it's absolute insanity that if we take the reality of scripture about who Jesus is and just like what that is and who we are in relation to God and then choose not to follow the commands of scripture for any reason, it just is, it's insane. I don't know a different word for it. It's literally just insane because like, oh no, you're God. I'm creation. I know that like I'm saying I believe in you, but like I will just defy you. Like, I didn't live through medieval times, but I look at, like, medieval times kings and just, like, you defy the king, you're dead. God has way more authority than that. And Proverbs, Psalms, Proverbs 1, right? The, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. To where it's just, like, if you have no real fear about God's almighty powers, like, well, God is all love. It's just, like, and what happens when you deny to live love? Not following the word, or you can even look on the other side of that coin and justifying obedience in our own interpretation, which goes back to why it's super important that we understand the word for what it's saying and not how we want to interpret it. And I think of just a lot of what's going on with like Asian hate right now. Um, that man walked into a massage parlor trying to eliminate lust, which is a bit like that's something that we talk about in the Bible is um, I don't know what Bible he was reading or if it was even from the Bible, but you know, the Bible says that if, if your eye causes you to sin or if your right hand causes you to sin and remove it, it's super important that even if we are in the Bible, that we're still being careful about how we're approaching it. I, I was disgusted. I, that's not even the word to think that somebody had took the word of God and interpreted it in such a way to cause somebody else harm was and there's many examples of that in history, but it just goes back to the whole idea of. How are we getting into our word? How are we studying it? Who are we allowing to teach us? What is the soil of our heart like? It's the word's really powerful. And you tapped in on something like that's a recent example, but throughout history, that's a huge thing that I know that people have against the church and against the Bible is that it has been abused and used by those in power to do horrific things. Like, yeah, it really has. So when we are reading, I know that we're talking about like our own personal study habits and stuff, but to man, seek the counsel of other godly people mm -hmm. and to be talking about these things openly and all of that. Because like, yeah, I need other people to hold me in check because I, the definition of blind spot is I don't see it, <laughs> you know? So I could be running off in a direction like, oh, God is this and this and this. And just like, hopefully we have the humility enough to be corrected by other people and to be like, hey, you know what? That's leading to a dangerous place and, and all that. It's definitely... It's not just our individual Christ-likeness, but that Jesus came to establish a community, a family, to where we can all come together in unity of spirit and understanding. And yeah, I think that that's an important thing so that we do avoid, you know, those individual circumstances or just what we see throughout history to where things can go sideways in a nasty way. The verse that I've kind of been hitting on a lot with that is like a misunderstanding of Scripture has been spare the rod, spoil the child. Because that's something that I grew up, that's what they said to like, hey, hit your kid and that will get them straight. And then I preached on Psalms 23 and I read the book by um, Philip Keller. 
Shepherd's Guide to Psalms 23. So this is a guy who is a shepherd, who has a shepherd's rod and talks about that. And in Psalms 23 is your rod and staff comfort Comfort me and they guide me. And when I was looking into it, like the shepherd wasn't using that thing to beat his sheep into listening. It was guiding and instructing. And then there's, uh, I don't know if it's a psalm or a proverb, but train up a child in the way he should go. And when he grows old, he won't depart from it. And it's instruction. It's instruction. It's teaching. It's guiding to be Christ-like. So then when I'm looking at me being a parent, like I got to guide my kids to be Christ-like. Like that's the ultimate goal. But how many people have suffered because of spare the rod, spoil the child was interpreted as, well, here's a rod. I've got to beat my kid with it. And it going exactly what you're saying, this misunderstanding, this, this is why study is important. So you got the context, you understand everything and, and why it's so important. I, I had some other idea, which you guys talked about something else. So it kind of threw me and I forgot what I was going to mention. But I, I do believe that truth is the important thing here. And I, I think studying the Bible needs to be for the purpose of gaining truth. I got to study the Bible so that I gain truth. So I know truth and and know what the truth is. And again, like we talked about it, even if I don't like it, I got to know what it is. So that way I know where to stand when the world starts to bring me false truths. To know what the truth is and who the truth is. Because when we're looking at how do I interpret this thing, you know, for how do we live it and how do we apply it? It's like, Jesus, like, that's how we should be coming more and more like, like, if the your interpretation of the Bible is, you know, you're not finding that in Jesus, it's just like, be very careful, <laughs> be very, very careful about that. Because it's not just like, oh, how do I interpret this? It's not about becoming the Bible. It's about becoming a true son and daughter of God, truly imaging him, which we see Jesus did it absolutely perfectly. So it's kind of like open to interpretation to a point, because it's just like, we do have that very clear person of Jesus that we can look to mm-hmm. and said- pray to and interact with. You know, we're definitely not just like, oh, a bunch of humans completely disconnected. It's like, that whole prayer part and meditating is vital. Yeah, I was just going to add to that. He said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if we're not, because I was thinking when you said that, I was just like, hmm, there's certain truths I would like to know, like the truth of the cosmos and, you know, all of this. But then I thought, that's just me trying to be God. <laughs> like, that's just me. And I, there are so many ways I would like to be God, like sometimes I'm like, wow, God, you have a really cool job. Like you, you get to control stuff and you get to explain stuff and you have, you know, your thoughts are higher than ours. And that would make my life a whole lot easier. But again, coming to understand truth. And one of those truths is we're not God. We're not God. We need God. We need to depend on God. And that comes in studying my word. That comes in waking up every morning and being like, yep, I don't know how to live this life. <laughs> um, I need some some wisdom, some guidance, some instruction. I need some truth. Um, and and it, comes from, it comes from God. It comes from my shepherd. Yeah, when you talk about that, it would make it easier because he's omniscient. He's all power and all that stuff, right? Scriptures say that knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Mm. And to just look at like, oh man, if I had all that and like all that, right? Like, it's like, God, forgive us for our terrible certainties to where we know and just completely miss it because of a lack of love. Because, right, it's just like, oh no, but I know this. And then you start judging people based off what they know or don't know. And you know better. And just like that gets into a whole mess. George, all of this should be when you're saying that Jesus is the way, the way of truth, the way of life is that he says, let me teach you this humble way. Because knowledge can puff up in pride, but truly coming to know Christ results in humility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, God has a pretty sweet job, but I would not be able to do it. Wouldn't want to do Same. it. We, I've Why seen Bruce that? Almighty and I would not, like that movie wouldn't have made as much money if it was me playing God because that would have been bad. <laughs> <laughs> be cool to meet Morgan Freeman though. Yeah. Morgan Freeman's great. All right, so uh, we hit our time frame here for the show. It always feels like we could do a part two of these things. I'll let you add if any, either of you want to add one last thing before we go, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah, I just got to bring it. It never left me from the beginning part when we were talking about studying the Bible. And you said, like, why should I forget what the question was, but then you actually took the opportunity to talk about, like, how you study the Bible. And it was in that whole thing of studying versus reading and that whole conversation. The digital tools that I have through, like, Logos Bible software is amazing. I have a full library that like I can just type in a subject or a passage or whatever and it draws it all to me. The technology tools to be able to just study so well 
like I'm in that thing all the time. But then with having, like, I'm so glad that I have a Bible on my phone and everything, but huge recommendation that for all of the technology that we have with all of it, get a paper Bible, put away the technology and just read the word. It is a different experience. If you need a Bible, contact us. I will personally send you a Bible if you don't have one. Like I will get one in your hand to just have that. And it's just, you know, carry it with you. Again, that other reminder of priority that if you have the Bible with you, you know, why am I carrying this thing around? Maybe I should open it up and read it. But for as much as I love digital stuff and technology, get into a, a, a physical Bible. It's, it's highly recommend. 10 out of 10. I think that's great. For some, I don't know why, but what came to mind for me is just um, when you're getting a hold of your Bible, just a recommendation I have is just remember like what that weapon is for. Bible says that our, what is it? We're not waging war against flesh and blood, but against like principalities and things that want to put themselves up against God. Like just remember like what you're fighting for. Remember that Bible is not for you to slap somebody over the head with. We're learning how to love. So yeah, just, yeah, use it, use it to love on people, please. <laughs> it's a great point to end with because yeah. we, we can look at the Bible like, yeah, it's a weapon. It's our sword. It's our attack thing. But if that weapon is a sword of love, then we're not attacking to kill. We're attacking to love. And first and foremost, the spirit is using that sword to get into our own life. First. Yeah, <laughs> but it is, yeah. it is that weapon. That, like Our sword is our weapon. It's a weapon of love. So church, be a church of love. Like that's the simple, oh man, I could go for another 40 minutes on this, but we're going to wrap it up. Uh, so I'm Chris. I'm Yurdlich. I'm Jordan. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening.